Hello, welcome to Caregiver's Haven, a podcast helping families who are caregivers of a loved one with a mental illness gain peace of mind. Even though this is a podcast focused on family caregivers of the mentally ill, much of the discussion can be helpful to any caregiver. Your host is Sandra. She is a family caregiver sharing her lived experiences and hopes to provide education, support, and resources to other families. Hey, caregivers, how are you today? I hope you're all taking time to rest, relax, and rejuvenate. You know that we can't continue our caregiving journey without taking care of ourselves. We can't serve from an empty vessel. So I'm always going to remind you of that, and um, hopefully you're all doing okay. So today, um, we have Sheila here as a guest. Sheila, are you here? Yes, I am. Thank you for joining us. So Sheila and I met uh, at the beginning of the year. We were both in a yoga teaching teacher training class together. And um, Sheila has also worked in behavioral health since the year 2000 with a range of client populations from children to adults living with um, adults living with developmental challenges and various mental health issues. She's also worked in the K through 12 school system with children with special education and severe mental health challenges. She's currently the director of mental health and substance abuse with the Foothills AIDS project. And so today she is actually here to share her caregiving journey um, with her sister who she will um, she'll share, you know, just some give you some tips on caregiving during that time. So Sheila, are you ready to um, let us know who you were a caregiver for and what their illness was? Yes, yes. I actually was the caregiver for my sister who was battling pancreatic cancer, um, which actually ended and she transitioned back in 2017. Okay, so um, for all of you listeners out there, our two previous guests were actually actually talking about their current caregiving journey. And so what Sheila is sharing with us today is um, she was a previous caregiver. Um, her sister has transitioned on. And so she's going to be sharing, um, kind of looking back on her caregiving journey. <clears throat> so <clears throat> this may seem like a, um, a, a silly question, but a lot of times people become caregivers and they kind of don't know that they're going to be a caregiver. They just kind of start off helping people and they end up being a full caregiver. So had you planned on um, being a caregiver for her or did it just kind of happen? You know, when you put it that way, no one looks at um, becoming challenged with cancer but I was raised to always be a support and a love for my siblings. So it was a natural choice for me when Mm -hmm. she became in need um, as she was challenged with the difficulties um, facing her battle. So when she asked, I willfully accepted that challenge. Mm -hmm. And so did she have to come live with you or did you have to go live with her or did you caregive from a distance? No, she actually came to live with me and um, that was her choice. She asked, she wanted to be around her family during that time, knowing all of the difficulties that she was going to have to face and the support that she was going to need. So she actually came and moved in 
with me and my son. It actually mm-hmm. made it easier for me to be a support for her. Right. So how long, um, how long from like her symptoms and diagnosis was it before she came to live with you? Um, her symptoms started probably a year or six months before she actually received the diagnosis um, of stage four pancreatic cancer. And then at that time, she tried doing it on her own, living, you know, 60, 70 miles from her family support. And mm-hmm. I would say that maybe two, three months after getting the diagnosis, she made the decision to come and, and stay. Mm-hmm. So how long did you take care of her? For a little over a year. She battled for a 13 months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I understand about family. Um, I was raised the same way. If anything ever happened to any of my siblings, um, we would do the same. Um, we've all, all four of us have been taking care of my mom for most of our lives, um, and we just kind of share the wealth. You know, I, I feel like it takes a village. Um, and for those of you who don't even have family, there's still, um, there's still support around. You know, you have to find it. Don't, don't ever feel like you're alone. Um, but we, we do the same. We do the same with my mom. We all help. Um, so that was good that you were there for her and that she had someone to go to because there are a lot of people who have to deal with things like this all alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really good that you were there for her. And I just, one of the things that I like to always point out is that there's support out there. A lot of people, times people deal with these things alone and there, you know, there are support groups, there are um social workers, there are people out there who can find help for you. So hopefully, you know, people are, are starting to hear that more and more from me and don't feel alone. <laughs> right. So tell me, what was um, what was one of your biggest fears um, at the, when you first started taking care of her or when you first started hearing you know, about her diagnosis? What was one of your biggest fears? My fears were not for myself they were more so for her. My fear was that she would die. Um, So that was probably um, the biggest concern. But I had Mm -hmm. to to face that. Um, And knowing that maybe if I looked at it in retrospect, would I have the energy to be able to continue with my life and still be able to be the all of the support that she needed. Mm-hmm. So you're saying when you look back, you will wonder if you had the energy. Um, in the in the midst of all that, did you even think about that at that time as a caregiver? Well, that's did, like, did you just take care of her and not even think about that, or was that part of your fear at that time? Uh, when she asked, there was no question, there was no hesitation. The answer mm-hmm. was yes. Um, mm-hmm. As we started acclimating to what that was going to look like, I needed to adjust my world to accommodate for her. Um, I was mm-hmm. single ma- mother, you know, dealing with the child at that time um, in junior high or middle school, they call it now. Um, mm-hmm. So I still had to deal with being a, a parent um, mm-hmm. and then being able to take on that caregiving role. So there were some adjustments that I had to make in my world 
to mm-hmm. to accommodate for that. And though my answer was still yes, it was okay. How am I going to make this happen? How am I going to right. accommodate for the things that I'm already? I was currently at that time. At that time, I was in school working on my credential, my PPS credential. So I had a school schedule. I had a internship I had to do. Still take care of my own child, work, and then I was taking this on. So I don't think I thought about it when she asked. It was just an automatic response of yes, of course. I saw it as a privilege mm-hmm. and an honor to be able to be there for her. I don't think I thought, hmm, I'm going to have to do this. I'm gonna have to do this. I didn't think like that, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think most of us as caregivers, we do the same thing. Um, the reason I asked that question, I just had a conversation with someone the other night and we were talking about um, a time, uh, my, I took care of my grandmother after she had surgery with breast cancer. And at the time I had four, all four of my kids were still home. I think my youngest child was only like a year old and I was taking care of her and emptying all her tubes and all that. And so I looked back on it and I'm like, how did I do that? Like mm-hmm. at that time, I did not question it at all. But when I look back, it's like, how did I do that? How did I juggle all those things? Because I also worked during that time too. So it was, you know, I just always ask people like, you know, when they talk about having the energy and stuff, like in that moment, you kind of don't even think about it. You just do what you have to do. Right. Which which is why, you know, it's important for caregivers to practice self-care because a lot of times we're not thinking about the toll that it's taking on us. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's just important for us to take care of ourselves. So, um, and how, how far back was this? When was, when was this like a couple of years ago or? Um, it was a couple of years ago. She got diagnosed in late 2016. Uh, now I have to think about it. She passed in 2017. Mm-hmm. So she must have been diagnosed in late 2015. So all of 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, she was with me, and then wow. she transitioned in early 2017. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to handle while you're working full time and taking care of a, a kid as a single mom. So, um, do you feel like at the be- you know at the beginning of all this or during this, do you feel like you had like what was your biggest frustration if you had any? Biggest frustration was. Uh, the lack of support for me. Um, uh, I didn't have as much support around my system to help do that for her. Um, so it, a lot of it fell on me. My mother is older. Um, she was probably 80, just turned 80 at that time. So she herself mm-hmm. needed, you know, supports and care, which, I, you know, of course, we as the family, the siblings, we would support her as a unit. But when the challenge of dealing with my sister came on top of that, that really just fell on me. Wow. Yeah. That can be difficult. It was. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, since we're talking in, in retrospect, um, I normally ask, like, what is your biggest fear? What is your biggest frustration now? So you're not caring, um, caregiving for her anymore. But do you have any um, fears or frustrations when you think back during that time? The frustration was not having enough support, not having um, a reprieve 
like I said, I still had to live my life and all that that it mm -hmm. entailed. Um, mm -hmm. And being able to cut that out, I had to learn how to, you know, shop for my household um, and her needs as well. So that a lot of that changed. My household needs changed that I didn't really think about. Mm -hmm. um, scheduling, picking up, delivering, uh, taking to doctor's appointments, everything that was already on my plate and then what her world plate now entailed because her physician was all the way back in 60, 70 miles away. So there was oh, wow. getting down to the chemo treatments. That was a day's event, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just mm -hmm. like, okay, we're going to take a couple hours out and go do, you know, no, that became a day's journey. Right. Wow. So I have two quotes that I want to read to you. Um, because and I, I just want you to think back on it. Tell me what they mean to you and tell me if they if it would have helped you if you hadn't known about them back then while you were taking care of her. So the first one is self-care is not about self-indulgence. It's about self-preservation. And that one is by Audre Lorde. And the other one is rest and self-care are so important. When you take time to replenish your spirit, it allows you to serve others from the overflow. Mm. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. And that one is by Eleanor Brown. So how, do, how does that resonate with you? And kind of tell me, you know, if you even thought about that during that time and then tell me how it resonates with you now. I didn't think about it at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I, and I did have some people around me who would remind me that I needed to take care of myself. But, you know, at that time, my biggest challenge was I have fullness of life and she's fighting for hers. So the fullness of life that I mm -hmm. have, of course, you know, I'm willing to give that. I, I, I didn't think about my well being empty in, and I was probably comparing it to her challenges. So my three fourths full well or my quarter full well was in comparison a full hundred percent well. So I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so if you didn't think about it, did you, did you do any self-care practice during that time? I didn't do it as with the mindset or intention of self-care. I think maybe that's what mm -hmm. I would have changed. And that is what I did do from that, that I will say in looking back, that is how I, I came to really take self-care as priority. Um, mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. out of that, that I developed a yoga practice, that I developed a meditation practice um, because I knew that in order to survive, I needed to do self-care. Right, right. Totally agree. So so where, so during that time, I know you said you didn't practice self-care, but did, were you doing anything for support? Were you involved in any support groups or, um, you know, classes for, you know, pancreatic cancer or just anywhere? And how did you get support, if any, during that time? Um, they did talk about, um, there were support groups offered um, at her, at, with her care, her, her primary care physician, or I'm sorry, her oncologist. Mm -hmm. And they offered 
those pieces, but they were so far away that it just was not practical for us to participate mm-hmm. in that. And the advent of telehealth mm-hmm. wasn't as widely accepted or facilitated as it is today um, amidst the pandemic that we're dealing with. So there just wasn't readily available resources um, in this area and in what she was associated with. And honestly, I didn't feel like I had time. That was the mindset. I don't have time for that. I've got to get to her doctor's appointment. I've got to get her medication. I've got to get to work. I've got to take care of it. It was, it was just my to-do list. Right. I was not operating out of yeah. self-care mindset at all. Right. So as caregivers, we all go through that. Like it's barely enough time in the day to do the things that we have to do. And so because we're caregivers and we have that compassion for helping someone else, it's really easy for us to think that we just don't have time to take care of ourselves. And I mean, in a lot of ways it's kind of true. Like we really like we, I, I sometimes I'm like, can it be more hours in the uh-huh, day? You uh-huh. know, but, but what I'd like to share with people is that, um, even though we don't have that time, we have five minutes, you know, just, if you can just sit somewhere quietly and just take some breaths, I mean, you you and I have done our yoga teacher, t- teacher training together. That alone, just letting your mind be quiet for five minutes and um, and do some breathing. Um, even if you don't, if, even if you don't do yoga and know how to do yoga, like um, just for all of you listeners out there who are are hearing what Sheila is saying, like she didn't, she felt like she didn't have time for herself. How I feel that way too sometimes. But just sitting down and being quiet for five minutes and just letting your brain take a break is huge. You will not believe, you know, how, how much more energy and how much I call it freedom. Like I just like kind of free my mind just for a few minutes. It can it can really help. If, if I could say um, the one takeaway I would want anyone to take from my experience is I had to mm-hmm. learn that putting my self-care first and meaning the first part of my day. Mm-hmm. I gave it, I learned to give that to myself so that out of that, I mm-hmm. could have the opportunity and the fullness of wealth to continue giving. And I've, I've noticed the difference when I don't do my beginning, my self-care at the beginning of the day, how much less time and energy I have than when I do make the effort to spend that time in that devotional place to care for myself mm-hmm. in the start of my day. Mm-hmm. allows me to continue to go on um that that's the piece that i would say i would have liked to have incorporated and i would have had a lot more to give on the back end does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah it does yeah you know it's, i mean it's just like this quote it says you cannot serve from an empty vessel so a lot of times when we're not taking care of ourselves even though we are um continuing our caregiving journey, we, we may not be doing the best that we can do for for our loved one or for ourselves because we're trying to, you know, get that car one more mile on an empty tank. Right, right. You know? We have to, um, we just have to be mindful of that. So how do you, so you say you do um, morning, morning meditation for self-care. What are some other things that you do for self-care? You know, I really developed a love for a hot bath, Epsom salt or some type of salt and and my candle. That is, that's Mm -hmm. definitely, I know how simple that sounds, but no, that has become part of my self-care, self-love practice. 
is to be able to soak mm -hmm. in a bath to turn, close the door to the rest of the world. And that becomes my time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if uh, one of my earlier podcasts, I, I don't remember if it was episode two or three, but um, one of the listeners shared that, you know, she was saying once everybody's down and everybody's asleep and, you know, she's by herself, she just um, takes a hot bath. And she said it's symbolic of just yeah. washing it away, washing the whole day away, washing everything away. And uh, just sitting and relaxing. And, and oftentimes I'll do a meditation there with that, you know, pro practice and that mindset of washing it away, mm -hmm. just allowing that mental mm -hmm. process to go or focusing on a candle flame or listening to, you know, a healing sound. And that's another piece that I do, uh, the sound bowls or a healing tone frequencies. Those are just things that I can do for myself without, you know, making that conscious effort. Okay, I've got to sit and meditate. No, it'll be something that I have going on in the background. And it's just allowing me to, to have another focal point to move away from, you know, my day-to-days or what's been troubling me, that it's there and it's the sound bath. Right. I think um, one of the things about this pandemic that, uh, that brought a thought to my mind is, you know, we have all this talk about self-care and being quiet and quiet in our minds and all that. And one of the things that the pandemic taught me is that, you know, back in the day, you know, our our ancestors, our, our relatives, you know, they they didn't have electricity. So once the light, you know, the sun went down, there wasn't a whole lot more that they can do. And so they did a lot more relaxing. Um, you know, our, my grandmother was sitting on the porch. You know, they just did a lot more relaxing than we do nowadays. And so now we're, we have all this self-care stuff, but it's all because we've forgotten how to just be quiet. We've forgotten how to relax. I just, you know, I was, um, I just retired from being a registered nurse for 38 years. And as I was working 12 hour shift shifts, you know, me and my husband raised four kids and it was, and I worked ICU my whole entire career, except for the last eight years, which is pretty crazy, but, you know, just, this hyped up lifestyle, um, and then caregiving in the middle of it, it's just, it, you know, my grandmother used to always tell me, just because you can mm, doesn't mean you should. Mm, mm. <laughs> I needed to hear that one. <laughs> yes, she would tell me that. And it's it's not until now, you know, when I got a broken down back and, you know, now that I'm tired, that I was like, oh, man, you know, she was right. Because she would tell me, why are you doing all this? You don't even have to do all this, you know. But um, we've, we've forgotten. We've forgotten to to look at and mimic what our, you know, what our ancestors did. And now we're just doing all this high paced stuff. So I, I love, um, I love you about your sound bowls and your bath and your morning meditation. Yeah, that, that's my, my love for self. I call it self love. I know that the common term is self care, mm -hmm. but really it's about self love and loving yes, myself first. Absolutely. And that's what I would say is I love me first. Right. Right. I've, I've seen some people call it that. And, and I think that that is the better word for it because, um, I was, I was in a workshop about a year ago and they were asking these questions about, um, well, no, actually that workshop was this year, but they were asking questions about, you know, what's your favorite color or what's your wardrobe style or just all these personal questions. And I was sitting there, you know, what's your hobbies? And I was like, I had to I had to think kind of hard on some of those questions 
But if someone asked you that about my husband or my children, or my grandchildren, I would be able to answer mm-hmm, right away. Mm-hmm. But yes, you know, I need to love myself just as much as I love them. I need to know what my favorite things are, just like I know their favorite things. And I, you know, as a caregiver and even being a nurse, being a nurse is actually a caregiver. I think um, my mind has just always been to give, give, give to other people and forget about myself. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot better and it's helping me feel mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't quote the scripture exactly, I, but being raised in, in Judeo-Christian thought, um, you know, that scripture where it talks about, or the, the passage of love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we've been conditioned to focus on the love your neighbor piece. Um, but it starts with mm-hmm. as you love yourself. <laughs> and I think we, we forget yes. that, that, oh, me loving externally. No, no. Love me first for out of that, then I can know how to love you. For if I don't know how to love me, how can I turn and truly love you? Yes. So it's so ironic. I have never, ever, ever heard anyone say that until a week ago. So Alicia Brown, I hope you're listening to this podcast because we just verbatim had this same conversation. And that's what she was saying. She was like, we were just talking about how we learn, you know, we learn bad habits. Um, along the way from Christianity or from our parents that cause us to not take good care of ourselves. And I was telling her that I think at church, when they talk about humility mm-hmm. and being humble, we take that like the wrong way because we kind of like, we're so busy trying to be humble and have humility that we are kind of downplaying ourselves and, and taking better care of other people. And then she said exactly what you said. She said, the scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself, People forget about the first part. They're so busy trying to love their neighbor and be nice to other people, but it says love them as you love yourself, which means you love yourself first. She, we just had that conversation, so I hope <laughs> she's listening to this. And, and out of, what is it, a witness of two or three? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So, all right, thank you for sharing. I have one more question for you. Um, and you've kind of already answered this, but... Um, with your when you were talking about one of the things that you would tell people is um, you know to, to practice self care, but I just want to know if there are any other um, lessons learned or any other encouragement or motivation or inspiration that you can give to our caregivers out there who are either you know currently caregiving for someone or they were a caregiver for someone previously. And maybe they haven't let that go yet, but just any encouraging or inspiring words, lessons learned that you can share with our listeners. Well, the first would have been that, the self-love. Definitely do that. Don't wait to self-love. Love yourself first. Be greedy. Be selfish. Um, You know, and and I know in our society, we're taught that that's not right, but really be selfish so that you can be selfless. Um, But the Mm -hmm. other pieces, and in that, probably juxtaposed to that would be and then demand those around you to be of that support. I, I, I would say that's probably something I should have done is kind of really just put the demand on others to be that help. I didn't do that. Um, it was, okay, well, then I'll do it. Okay, well, then I'll do it. Okay, well, no, let someone else do it. <laughs> you know, let someone else do it. Ask them to do it. See how they can help. Um, Use your resources, look for other resources. If it's not 
where you thought it would be, keep looking, that you don't have to do it alone. You probably my other kids. Don't think you have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. So I think another trait of many caregivers is not asking for help, not mm -hmm. wanting to bug mm -hmm. people, um, thinking you're a burden and you know, I, I was talking to my cousin the other day. I'm really bad about that. I'm, I will offer, 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 offer help. And then when people offer me, I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. And it's like, why? Mm -hmm. why right, right. <laughs> it's just so ironic. But I talk to so many people and I think it must be a caregiver trait, you know, because so many caregivers do that. And it may be because we know yeah. how much work it is and maybe we really don't want to put that burden on someone else. But as part of our self-love and our self-care, we have to do that. We have to um, ask for that help so that we can continue going. We have no idea. A lot of times we don't know how long we're going to be a caregiver. And so we have to stay strong and, you know, fill our, our vessels so that we can continue to take care of our loved ones. Right. So love yourself and be demanding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I've, I've actually kind of been practicing that um, recently with cooking dinner. <laughs> Something as simple as cooking dinner. There are some days where I'm just exhausted, but I would just push myself. And then I just thought, you know what? Anyone can make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so I'm just not going to There you go. <laughs> what is it? Bring, bring your own yeah. um, meal. Do your, you know, make your own meal. Or the stuff's down there. Here, yeah. have at it. Right, right. But we just, you know, we get so caught up in, in that people pleasing. So, all right, Sheila, I, I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on. I know, you know, this may have been hard for you because it's only been two years, um, since two or three years since your sister passed away. Um, but I really appreciate it because it's just given a different look, you know, because you've been through it and you can, I, I, I feel like a lot of your tips you gave today We'll be able to help someone out there who's, um, you know, either taking care of someone or, you know, they're like you, they're, they, it's over with. And maybe they, some people have guilt, some people are questioning, some people are thinking, oh, I could have done more. Um, so I think that you sharing that they should have self love and, you know, demand support, I think that that could help people. To, to feel better about all no, of that. No, it was an honor and a privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, caregivers, um, I hope you were listening to Sheila. She gave us a whole bunch of nuggets out there um, about caregiving. So self-love, um, making sure you're getting support. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask for help and use your resources and keep looking um, with our um, podcast with Trey Kearney, she said the same thing. If you can't find the resources that you need, keep looking. So um, it's the second time we've heard this. So hopefully you guys are listening and taking notes. And and I just hope that it will help all of you guys in your caregiving journey to make it a little bit easier and to know that you're not alone. So thank you, Sheila. And um, hopefully you'll come back on and visit yes, us yes, again. Thank you for doing this. We really need it out there. You're a blessing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, everyone, um, please hold for a couple of announcements, and then I'll be right back.
Sandra is a registered nurse and many of her guests are healthcare professionals. However, this is not a professional podcast, nor are we associated with any mental health counseling. Please seek help with the professional provider if needed. You can reach Sandra by listening to the podcast on the Anchor app and leaving a message there. Or you can DM her on Instagram at Caregivers Haven. If you enjoyed listening to Caregivers Haven podcast, please favorite, subscribe, or follow on your listening platform. Okay, guys. Thank you for listening. And until next time, Caregivers Haven is wishing you peace of mind and happy Caregivers Month.